Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. I just want to let you know up front, uh, this episode is going to take some discussion around uh, trauma, uh, healing from silent wounds, and so on. So there may be some content here that could emotionally trigger you, and I, I just want you to know that up front. Here we go. Are you a leader who strives to create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut into a life worth living beyond the rut. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in this episode, we're going to be joined by speaker, coach, and host of the Victorious Souls podcast, Danielle Barnock. Uh, we're going to talk specifically about what it means to be the silently wounded uh, from traumas that were experienced growing up or in young adulthood or even later in life. Uh, what does that mean to be silently wounded? What is the impact on relationships? What is the importance and impact of fatherhood, uh, a, a positive presence of fatherhood in the home, and, and so much more? So we're going to be talking about those things. So sit back, relax, grab a notebook and a pen, because here we go. All right. Hey, Danielle, thanks for calling in. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Can't wait to get talking. I know. Well, I mean, we've already been talking for a while. We recorded <laughs> yep. yesterday for your show, uh, Victorious Souls, and then we were just shooting the breeze for the past 15 minutes. And I was like, wait, oh, yeah, we got to record. So <laughs> I'm glad we finally hit record and started doing this. Uh, so and where are you calling in from anyway? I, f I forgot to ask. Michigan. Michigan. Metro Detroit area. Oh, man. I've got a good friend from that area. I mean, she's... A lot younger, so I want to ask, like, hey, do you know so-and-so? <laughs> I'll just tell her to listen to the episode. Like, hey, this is another Mission Michiganite. Michiganite? Michigander. Michigander. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. I'm going to start calling her that from now on. Hey, Michigander. No, because she'll unfriend me. Uh, anyway, that's not important. What is important? <laughs> so you're the host of a show, Victorious Souls. Uh, the, the thing I love about that show is that you, you have your guests share the the trials they've overcome the the hardships they've overcome in life and you don't do it just to have everybody come together and have this woe is me powwow you, you have us come together to show that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that there's hope that there is a way to navigate whatever trouble we're facing or have faced and i love that because so many of us go through that in life we we get hit with a trauma maybe early in life we develop these habits that Sometimes they help us move forward in life, and a lot of times they help us stay in a comfort zone or what we think is a safe, comfortable, Shire-like Hobbitville. I, I don't know why Lord of the Rings got in there, but it did. Uh, but a quote that you shared with me was that you help the invisible get seen so that the silently wounded can lead and pursue God, their God-given greatness or, or something to that effect. And um, so tell us a little bit about what that means and what led you to that? I'm just being lazy and asking you the two big questions right now off the bat. <laughs> so what does it mean, though, to be silently wounded? Let's start there. Oh, thanks for asking that. It's so important. Silently wounded is what happens to the majority of people who suffer trauma because they have dismissed it. They don't know they have it. It was just their life. And so they were wounded and it just kind of went by and it, a, a, the silent wounding took place. They didn't 
understand it. They didn't pay attention to it. They didn't know it was leaving a mark on them. It was just their life. So they were just silently wounded, which is why I want to make the invisible scene. I want to bring to light that thing that they didn't see, that left that mark that they don't recognize. They're just like, I always have trouble with this, or I have trouble in all my relationships. I can't seem to stay in a relationship, or I go from relationship to relationship to relationship. I mean, humans have relationship problems, but when you have trauma, it exacerbates it to a very large extent with coping mechanisms that are unhealthy, but also due to attachment issues, because we're supposed to attach with others. We're relational beings. But when we have trauma, it affects that. We get anxious about them. We get aggressive about them. We get protective about them. And when we do both, oh, I need you, go away. Oh, I need you, go away. And people are like, what is going on? It's like, what are you, a cat? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that before. That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, we have three cats and and there's one that's attached to me. Uh, She always wants me within five feet of her and she meows for my attention. She, you know, comes up to me, but not right up to me. But the moment I reach out to like pet her, hold her, she's like, "Ah, get off, get off. No, I just want you there. And I'm like, Man, um, who hurt you? <laughs> I think I said that once to my cat. Um, but we adopted her as a kitten, so she was a baby baby. That's just her temperament. But, well, yeah. um, but something that comes to mind though, hearing you talk about like that, you know, the, the invisible wounds that were, you may not even be aware they're there. Uh, I attended a, a marriage, a Christian marriage retreat. Uh, my wife and I went a number of times it's called Weekend to Remember. And, on the last day of this like four day event, it starts like on a Wednesday night, ends on a or Thursday. Sorry, Thursday ends on a Sunday. That would be the four days, Jerry. Um, on the last day, you start up, start off in two separate rooms. So the wives are in one room and the husbands are in another, and the the speakers split up as well. So the the male speakers are in one room and the the women speakers are in the other, uh, talking to the wives. And there's a question that comes up during the the men's side. I don't know what goes on the women's side, but on the men's side, the the speaker will at some point ask us to reflect on what was our relationship like with our father and to think about that and write it down in one word. One word? One word. Yeah. And and then you just shout it out. Like once, once you got to this point, we're talking about like 100 to 200 men in the room. We don't know each other uh, unless we invited each other to the thing. But the speaker would ask, what came to mind when you thought about your father? And you hear the initial responses, um, supportive, provider, loving, caring, those kinds of things. And, and you can hear it in the voice that they were proud to say these things. Like, that man taught me how to be a, a better husband, a better man, taught me how to be who I am. But then the pained responses come out. And it almost felt like this is the first time these guys are thinking about this. Some of these guys are choking back tears. Some of them are, are just angry that they had to think about this. And they'll say words like, um, you know, a-hole, jerk, abusive, absent, uh, unreliable, a liar. And you're just like, wow. And you hear the pain coming out. And the speaker would go on to unpack that for us without making anybody unpack their actual pain. We'll just share that a lot of us may not have had the best father figure in our lives. And we picked up on those bad behaviors and may have brought those into our marriages. So let's now start thinking about how those connect together. You know, where have you seen the pain of your father get emulated in your marriage? And then you just start hearing men cry. 
and and, and break down. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And then, of course, I'm being empathetic, and I start crying. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> how could these guys not have a dad like mine or a dad like so-and-so's? And, um, you know, just it breaks my heart to hear that. And and I think it's these guys addressing those, those past traumas for the first time. Um, but I think, ha- have you seen folks, like, the impact on their lives when they're not addressing their, their past traumas? Like, what, what does it look like when they're not addressing these? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I have an assessment on my website that's 32 questions long, so I can't go through all of those things because trauma is personal. And how one person reacts will be how another person reacts. It depends on how that wound is affecting them because that's what trauma is. It's a wound. It's a wound that happens on the inside of a human. The trauma exposure, what they've been through is what happened on the outside of them. That's the situation, the event, you know, what happened with you, with your dad. Danielle's referring to my interview on her show. It seems to me that didn't leave much of a mark in a negative way, but that was a huge trauma exposure. So, and two people can go through the exact same thing and come through completely differently. So that's why it's difficult to say too quickly, how, how do you see this? There are side effects. There are ways it leaks out of us with anger issues, pervasive fear, sleep problems, eating disorders, relational problems, problems holding down a job. I mean, there's many, many, many of the side effects, and it depends what kind of trauma also, that because there's all different kinds of trauma. I had multiple different kinds myself. I discovered one that I didn't know the name of it when my counselor helped me heal, and that's called childhood emotional neglect. When a child grows up without their emotional needs being met enough, that word is important in that sentence, enough, because there's no perfect parent, but we have a certain amount. And, you know, there's, there's give and take because, you know, we're humans and people fail. But if you're met enough, you had enough of your needs met, then you know how to operate your emotions and you feel like a part of things and you can develop secure attachments. Or maybe you just have a little bit of a attachment issues and healing them is not as difficult because it's not as crippling to you. It's like how crippling is that wound? Because trauma is an invisible wound on the inside of a human, in the brain, in the body, in the soul, in the spirit that you can't see. And traumatized people tend to blame themselves for that wound, which is why I am careful to say it is involuntary. You can't will yourself to not be traumatized. It's not possible, but we feel like we should be able to. And that's when the shoulds come. I should, 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 should. And I constantly say, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> we have to see the truth. There's no shame in that. It's people have capabilities. Some people are more stoic. Some people are more sensitive. I'm more sensitive, but I was raised very stoic. So I can tap into both of those after being healed from my trauma. So I can take that now on the other side. Whereas before it was just like a big stick beating me over the head. So mm. it, it's an Trauma is personal. Yeah. So that's a little bit of how it affects people, but it, it really is quite personal and everyone is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like despite the, the st- statistical trends that may be seen, when you get down to the individual person, it doesn't mean they fit these buckets perfectly. It, it, you know, uh-huh. somebody might struggle with you know, alcohol, you know, for example, but, you know, but somebody else in the same situation may not. Uh, 
and the degree that they're struggling with an addiction or a negative coping situation. I, I, I totally see it. That's what I'm trying to get at. I see what you're saying. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, land this plane, Jerry. Um, landed. Uh, and, and so it is important, though, because I mean, we're talking about, like, behaviors that, you know, for somebody who, who winds up creating behaviors that are positive – this may really go unnoticed that, that, you know, why are you striving to be better than you were yesterday? It's like you're, you're always improving. You're, you're, you're striving to have healthier relationships. You're striving to you know, have your own emotions understood better and managed better. But then we have those who don't pick up on that and they, they take on that negative coping. And um, I guess where I'm trying to go negative from there is- Negative coping is a normal response yeah, to trauma. Yeah. <laughs> That's a normal response to an abnormal thing that happened to you. And to answer the thing of, of a positive, seemingly positive response, there's a thing called trauma drive, which is, it, it appears to be a good thing, but it's still trauma driven. When a person, they're suffering trauma and that trauma drives them to do a certain, they have to succeed, they have to excel, uh, excel, they have to, you know, their book has to be a bestseller, they have to get that next promotion they you know and they are just driven by that on the inside sometimes people who have that they don't want to address their trauma they're afraid they're going to stop being successful oh wow because that is what's driving them yeah and i went through that myself because i had quite the trauma drive in various different ways and the fear of losing control of those things is a very real fear but we can heal and we can we can continue to succeed in a healthier way, but people have to know there's hope. They have to see it's possible. That's one of the reasons I love interviewing all the people on my podcast, all the various different kinds of trauma people have been through, to see it's possible. There is hope. See how bad that was? See how simple that was? That wasn't so bad, in my opinion. Well, that was really bad. Everyone's going to have their opinion. Mm. But all of them emerge victorious in some capacity. So it's like, however it fits you. So you who are listening, you can heal. You can get out of the rut. How Jerry's thing is called the rut. You can get out of the rut. And how I shared with him before we started this whole thing is if you stay in the rut of unaddressed trauma, it turns into a grave because trauma kills. People don't think that, but trauma does kill. As I said, it affects the brain the body, the soul, and the spirit. It changes the chemicals in the brain. They can do brain scans and see trauma in the brain. Trauma affects the immune system, the gastrointestinal system, the cardiovascular system. It gives people cancer. People die from trauma and don't realize that that's the silently wounding that I want to bring to light, shine the light here. Maybe people are having health issues. So many people go to the doctor and come home, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Happened to me countless times because it's trauma manifesting in the body. It's a thing called somatization. And the body's going, you're not going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with this. Yeah. And it makes people sick. Yeah. Yeah. The mind-body connection just blows my mind. Uh, and it goes two ways in a sense, too. Like, you know, your mind can drive you to sickness. Uh, you know, you know, worry can, you know. You know, the people I know who have ulcers, issues with ulcers, are also people who worry a lot. You know, they're, they're thinking in a way that gets the, 
the gut to just start producing acid until it starts whining mm-hmm. out the lining of your stomach. And I'm like, that is cr- not the person that's crazy. The the fact that that is possible to me is mm-hmm. crazy. Like that is wow. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, as a as a combat medic, you know, battle fatigue was one of the things we learned how to treat, and the treatment included like three steps. Take the person off the battlefield, let them take their helmet off. That's like step one. So you got to get them in a safe place where bullets aren't flying around. Step two, <laughs> step two is break open a meal ready to eat and let them eat at their own pace. Like here's some food, here's some water. Um, I, I see there's some coffee over here. Let me get you some coffee. And you let them eat. And somehow that rehumanizes them. That makes them feel, okay, I'm safe. It, it touches like, I guess, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The, the two, you know, two of the most basic needs, you know, shelter and security, you know, you, you, you feel safe. We put you away from the battlefield. We gave you some food and we're giving you some space here now to collect yourself. And that's like the third thing. Just give them some space. And we'll wind well, that's, up. The surrounding technique is what those are. Yeah. Because when the emotions go run wild and they're just going to calm those, what we have to do is we have to ground ourselves. We have to get our emotion our thoughts off of our emotions and if we focus on the body you know where you're at you know seeing feeling hearing tasting touching you can shift out of that frenzy and like okay here i'm here my feet are on the ground you know (laughs) yes things like that there's there's multiple grounding techniques and sounds like you're way of dealing with that is just another grounding technique yeah and then you know of course after those three steps you give them time and then they'll they'll volunteer to put their helmet back on and go back to the line and they'll, you can't stop them at that point. They're like, Nope, my buddies need me. I'm already, I already feel bad that I left them. They need me. They depend on me. And then boom, they're back in it. And you're like, wow. And they become like yeah, super it's like soldier. A rebooting of the computer system. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. And you know, in the moment I could see where those, um, those techniques help. It's like, yes, I'm grounded. I, I eat some food. I'm refreshed. Boom, back in there. And then I was just thinking like in an extreme case though, if, if that soldier doesn't get to come back and unpack the the emotional trauma that combat is, and they don't address the PTSD that that could you know build up and and occur, stress eating becomes a thing, you know, and and so that that coping mechanism that helps in the moment can now become that crutch that disengages you from everybody else. So now you're taking yourself off of every battlefield, every arena where you're engaging with people. <laughs> And you're eating to satisfy this this need, and then you balloon. You you, you get yeah chunkier. <laughs> uh, and I'm you know, somewhat speaking from experience here, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's where that comes from. And that awareness kind of helps me kind of say, oh okay, yeah, I need to I need to put the chips up. <laughs> uh, I'm done with the soda, uh, and that's when I'm aware of it. But uh, I I could see where again unaddressed traumas can you know ultimately put us back you know into that that grave or that rut Uh um you know even if it's a it's a good thing in the moment too much of it you know like too much milk can give you cancer too much sunshine can give you skin cancer like too much of anything can hurt you as much as you know in moderation things can help um well that's what the the bible says that let all things be done in moderation because the other flip side of eating disorders is starvation yes or bulimia i i did both of those (laughs) Oh, trying man. to injure myself because I was attacking myself, trying to kill myself slowly because the slowly and more painful was better because of the self-loathing was just so off the charts. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it it just blows my mind. All the all the things that our body and our minds can go through um, as as we try to deal with the harshness of, of life. Um, now, one of your first books was Emerging with Wings and. 
when we were talking through like this process you take people through that you help people emerge with clear vision take ownership of their lives and create a path that you know, is one of healing and living a new life living a renewed life in a sense um and then you've got this four-step process self yeah tell, tell us about self how does that get us to achieve these three things uh, the etc etc i asked god to help me understand how he healed me because it was through his help and kicking and screaming and refusing to be broken is how I healed. I had no nice, neat process. So I wanted to help others. I'm like, how do I help? I can't just say, keep going. You need something more than that. (laughs) And when I wrote my first course based on my book, Emerging with Wings, he showed me that process, self, and it's the acronym self, see, expose, love, and free. And I chose the word self for two reasons. One is our choice resides in ourself. No one can make us do anything unless we choose to do so. And when we don't really choose, it's coercion or manipulation. And then that's not really your free choice. So that's where your power is at, is in yourself to make your choices. So I wanted to go right to the core of to a person. This is where your power is, is in yourself, in your chooser and who you are. And the other thing is, I had religious trauma also. I hated myself because the self was this evil thing that God wanted to kill, and I won't get into all the specifics of that, but I've been set free from that. The self is the soul. It's not the ego. The ego is the one that needs to bow its knee and be crucified. The self is the soul that, he said, with patience, possess your souls. So the self is a part that needs sanctification and love and redemption and all of that. So I encourage people to embrace their self and empower their self. And it's C, which is for awareness. Because if you don't see those invisible wounds, you're not going to do anything about them because you don't know they're there. You have to see, you have to be aware of where you're at and what you're dealing with. And it's the cycle. We go through the process repetitively because, you know, we're like an onion. <laughs> we'll cry too, a little bit in the process. But E is for expose. That's after we see something, then we have to go a little deeper. Why? How come? Where'd that come from? Well, how is it affecting you? And go a little deeper. Then L is love. We have to lavish on the love because love is a basic need of all humans. And love is what gives us the courage to do anything. When we lavish love, when we fill up on love and our love tank is full, and we learn how to love ourselves, receive love from other people, receive the love of God, the more we have that love, the stronger we become. But as we go through that in the process, a little bit goes a long way at the beginning when you haven't had it. <laughs> and then you go into the fourth step, which is effort free, which is the action step where you go and do something. You start doing the work and you, you do a little bit of the work, then you come back around and you see again. See, well, how did that affect me? Did that work? Did that not work? Expose. Why didn't it work? Why did it work? Where am I at now? And you go through the process again, over and over again, to grow your new self. It's your new creation in Christ. You're going to grow your new self in Christ, but submitted unto the love of God. The love is what heals us. In my book, Emerging with Wings, part of the subtitle is The Love That Heals. And it's love is all capitalized in the subtitle because I was pointing to that. Love is the center of my message in my business, and some people call it a ministry, whatever, doesn't matter. But love is my core. I even started calling myself that lady on the internet who loves you right before the pandemic 
in an effort to give love to people because we need it. I have people who have reached out to me and said, I listen to you just to hear you tell me that you love me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that that is, is powerful. Love is, yeah. Love is that need. We need that. Without without that, we don't go anywhere. Yeah. That's why that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, and the Beatles were right. You know, all you need is love. You yes. just need the right one. Yes. <laughs> and there's even a, a section in the New Testament, I believe, where it's like you can have all these things, but they mean nothing if you don't Without have love. love. Yes. Yeah. And and so you combine that with the Beatles song. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, and it makes sense. It's like, who cares if you go to church every Sunday, if you're the rudest person in the parking lot, or you know, the moment you see somebody <laughs> yeah. who's homeless, you're like, get out of here, bum. You know, it's like, did, did you really exhibit the love of Christ at that point? And, and you know. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. And people don't know what love is. I have a book I give away free at my website called Love is Manifesto, and it's what is love? Why, why we don't believe it? What it takes to convince us? Because especially in the English language, you know, I love peanut butter and I love my husband. Those That that doesn't translate well. Yeah. You know, and then we go, God loves me. Well, does he love me like peanut butter? Or do they love me like, oh, <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? There's this thing called unconditional love. And when someone has grown up without it, they don't believe it exists. It, it's, it's a fairy tale. You tell me God loves me all the time. I don't believe you. That's not possible. No one does it. They have to believe that it's a thing. It's a real thing that it actually does exist. They have to believe that unconditional love is a real thing before they can even go to connect it to a God who says he loves you like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why love is my core. It is. It's my core message. It's the acronym for my core values is love, ownership, victor, and esteem. It spells love. I'm all about the love. And it makes sense, especially when we're talking about victorious souls. You're talking about finding that that unseen trauma so that you can heal and live in God, your God given purpose. And in there, if, if we are loathing ourselves, if we're hating ourselves because of the trauma we went through and we're not allowing ourselves to love ourselves the way, you know, God loves us um, and, and do it in a healthy way, you know, cause otherwise we, we cross over to narcissism and, and of course nobody wants that. Um, well, that's not loving yourself anyway. Yeah. You know, that's, that's loving <laughs> that's the idea not what of yourself. Love is. <laughs> that's, that's why we have to talk about what is love. Yeah. I was interviewed on a podcast, another one, and we talked about that. Well, what is love? We, I mean, just, is love just accepting anybody, that full acceptance, unconditional acceptance? We discussed that as, no, it's not unconditional acceptance. Like, put it in the context of a criminal. This guy comes and murders these people. We, you know, quote, love them and unaccept. We just accept what they did, this murder? No, that's not love. Love sees the value in people always. 
sees the value in that guy that committed the murder. He has value as a human being. He just did something wrong. <laughs> and then after seeing the value, wanting what is best for that person, what you have in your heart is their best interest. What is good for them? Like that murderer, what is good for them to get caught and to get rehabilitated? And so they don't want to murder again. Is it that what's in their best interest? And it's it's done with a heart of love, not a heart of, I got to change your behavior. I'm, you know, in a heart of control. God's not controlling. I used to be horribly terrified of God, just horribly terrified of him. He was a big, bad bully in the sky. And you just step out of line and God's going to get you for that. That is not the God I know. The God I know is unconditional love and he wants what's best for us. Yeah. And you made me think about for probably the first time ever in my life that that unconditional love, you know, in the, especially in the scenario of, you know, capturing somebody who's a murderer, it prevents us from going to the dark side as well. Because without that love for the even the murderer, it becomes easy to want to beat, kick, torture somebody, give them the most gruesome death you can because we're letting the rage take over. But when you have love for somebody else and respect the dignity of every person that changes how you approach that scenario that changes you know even me in a combat zone how i approach people breaking into my compound it was uh in, in one conversation you know somebody saying hey what are you doing and saying it with love and empathy for the people that i was interacting with the civilians that were breaking into the compound not for me but he was asking me what are you doing and i'm like huh and uh of course after i sent that guy away it kind of hit like well, look at it, what you're doing. Because you don't have love for these people, you're treating them very horribly. You're treating them poorly and you're not respecting their dignity. And this is before I was a Christian and that began to pivot in me. It was like the moment that aha moment kicked off in my head, it was like, wow, I, I can't do this to people anymore. You know, even if I do it in the name of security and safety, there's got to be a different way. And sure enough, there was. Uh, somebody else came up with a solution. Hey, why don't we just find out what they want? Why do they keep breaking into our compound? And found out that, oh, they want these aluminum rods that are in this warehouse behind us. What rods? Oh, these rods. Why are these here? Oh, this used to be a missile facility. Do we want the rods? No, we don't care about the rods. Are we giving them back to the Iraqi government? No. Let them have the rods. And so ask them, will they stop? And will they get the word out to stop breaking in if we let them have all the rods? And sure enough, somebody representing all the looters. I don't know. They they organized quickly. <laughs> it was like, uh, but anyway, yeah, it turns out, yeah, if you let us have all the rods, we'll even give you satellite phones, whatever you want. Um, you know, free, I don't know, euros for a month, whatever it was. Like, we'll, we'll make a trade. And so we wound up getting enough satellite phones and phone cards to call home because we hadn't talked to home in like months and yeah, they came in with like three big trucks left with every single aluminum rod we had in the compound. Never got looted again. Nobody broke in Wow! for the remainder of the time we were in country, which was another like month and a half or two months. Uh, we wow. still had the occasional drive-by shooting, but it wasn't like every night a drive-by, every day, every 30 minutes we had new looters in the compound. It, it instantly stopped uh, because somebody who had love for other people so let's find out what they want. Let's stop chasing them down. Let's stop beating them. It's clearly not working. You know, the fear of death is overridden by some other need. Let's find no. out what it is. And I'm like, that is insanely effective. And, yeah. you know, in Abraham own- Lincoln has a quote. I don't know that I know it exactly, but he said the easiest way or fastest way or surest way to get rid of an enemy 
is to make them a friend. Yeah. They're like, wow. Well, you, I, I understand you can't do that with every enemy. And there are real enemies that, you know, and we need to love our enemies. But then that doesn't mean we let them run over our head. Yes. Yeah. We're not meant to be doormats either. But at the same time, you know, where do we get to be like water? Yeah. Yes, guys. I quoted Bruce Lee. <laughs> be like water. Um, and then at the same time, you know, like that that idea of, you know, giving ourselves respect, giving ourselves love, allowing ourselves to love who we are as a creation of Christ or a, a creation of God. Um, and, you know, that well, even People don't things. understand how valuable they are. Yeah. When trauma takes place, one of the things it does is it strips a person of their sense of value and their sense of self. They It just creates that within them because this would have never happened to me if I had any value. And so that's why I want to help people emerge with clear vision of their value, uh, for them to see their value. Like my second book is called Because You Matter, <laughs> mm. for people to see their own value and then to take ownership of their life, the subtitle, so they can really live. Because if they don't take ownership of it, it's not going anywhere. You know, only a, only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. I love that quote by Carol Burnett. It's so true. And we can fall into expecting other people to do things for us. But there we have to go back to the self. That's res- Our power is in ourself. I love what I've learned from Victor Frankl about, I call it our superpower. No matter what is going on in a person's life, we always, always have the choice of how to respond. He was in the concentration camps. Yes. They took everything away from him. He had nothing. And he calls it man's last freedom the choice on how to respond. Because that's happening inside of you. No one can take that away. How you want to respond. And learning how to do that before you're in such a high-pressure situation like he was <laughs> is a better thing. So I like to help people understand you have this superpower. If you learn how to operate it in everyday life, when you get put under pressure, it will be like a muscle that you know how to operate. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that. Um, now, I know you've got, what, 11 books you've written? Is that no, I've written Who, four books. Four. Who wrote 11? That's somebody else. But anyway, four. Four books. That's also good. <laughs> oh, oh, I only have two of them are in paperback. The other two are digital. The one's Love's Manifesto, available at my website in uh, PDF or audio. I give it away free. I have A Bird Named Pain, which is available in audio and on Kindle. And my first book, Emerging with Wings, is available in paperback and Kindle. And Because You Matter is available in paperback, Kindle, and audio. Awesome. And then you mentioned way back at the beginning of our conversation that you also have an assessment you offer folks, has 32 questions on it that help them uh, gain some insight and help you gain some insight on what they're going through. Uh, Where can they find that assessment if they want to take that? On my website, I have a free resources tab. It's on my free resources page. And that's daniellebernock.com. Yep. B-E-R-N-O-C-K. Yes. And then... um, before we go, though, any any final words of wisdom you want to share with folks? Uh-huh. Please do something. And I would love to help you. I have a course called Heal Your Childhood Self. If you don't know what's going on, you're like, hey, I grew up. I think I'm fine. I took your assessment and I, I guess I got some stuff. Well, I have a course. It can take you through the self-process over and over again to identify what happened, where it happened, what it did to you, and how to heal from that. And I would I would love to help you do that. And I'm going to even throw this out here just off the cuff that if you are interested in that, and if you email me, I will give you 
half off of that course. If you mention this podcast, then I will I'll give you half off of that course if you're interested. That's how much I want people to do the work to heal. I'd love to give it away free, but people download free books all the time that they never read. I don't do free consultations anymore. People schedule them and then don't show up. You have to have skin in the game. You have to have skin in the game and you're worth it. You are worth that skin in the game. I do love you. I am that lady on the internet who loves you. So please dare to love yourself enough to do something to heal. Love that. Guys, invest in yourself. You know, if you're repeating the same mistakes over and over, if you're seeing the same patterns that you want to break, this is something worth checking out. So, Danielle, thanks for coming on here. And always a pleasure to chat with you. I mean, this is like our third conversation already. And I'm like, this this lady is awesome. <laughs> yeah, we do get along, get along really well. I like to chat. <laughs> wow. Hey, Guys, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation like I did, a very deep conversation. For me, it was a continuation uh, from the conversation I had with her on her show. Now, if you want to hear that interview, go to the show notes for this episode at beyondtherut.com slash 390. There I'll have a link to her episode where she interviewed me and I got to share my story of being silently wounded and and overcoming that. Uh, But also we'll have some additional resources like the assessment that Danny mentioned, where you can find out what kind of trauma you faced and so on. How could you get in touch with her if you want some coaching to move forward? Uh, And Above all else, guys, if you are dealing with unhealed trauma, I highly recommend you you find a great therapist, uh, a counselor, someone you can share this with on a professional level uh, to get the healing that you need. And, and from there, a coach is a great way to propel forward once you've addressed the past, began healing from the past, and you start moving into that future, uh, that life beyond the rut. Uh, again, The show notes can be found at beyondtherut.com slash 390. Hey, I'm glad you joined me for this episode. I look forward to joining you again on the next one. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.